1: WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co-owner at Rotoviz. Sean, we are heading towards week 10. It is a This is usually my, my intro speed where I say the season is flying, in, but it is really and truly going at a, a very rapid pace here uh, as we get ready for week 10. Looking forward to this one. We had a strange week last week, like we talked about On the Tuesday edition of the show, but today we're going to start to look back a little at what has happened this season to date, but we are going to do that through the lens of the Zero RB Watch. Sean was tasked this week with the AFC, Blair doing the NFC, so we're going to look through the AFC teams and and see what um, kind of information we can steal there to help us uh, in those backfields as we get ready to see out the season as we get into the, the championship pace here, I guess, as we hopefully head towards the playoffs. But, Sean, uh, week 10 is coming. Anything? Um, I, I don't want to spoil everything, but the 0RB report is always one of my favorite pieces to dig into. Love talking about it on the show. Um, anything really sticking out to you this week?
2: Well, Colm, the Cincinnati Bengals struggled badly against the Cleveland Browns. Really got hammered in week 9, uh, sending their season into a little bit of a tailspin here. They looked very good in the AFC north and uh, you know that's important because that's one of the most probably the toughest division in football now with the AFC West coming back to earth a little bit with the NFC West having some injuries at the quarterback position so you have Seattle and San Francisco really not being what we thought that they were but in the AFC North we have the Ravens we have the Browns We have the Steelers who managed to escape on Monday Night Football. And then we obviously have the rising Cincinnati Bengals, or at least they were rising until these last couple of weeks where they managed to lose to the New York Jets and then really get humiliated by Cleveland. But there was a pretty bright spot here, right? We have Joe Mixon scoring 28 points. That's a very good fantasy game, even in a week that saw a 40-point game from James Conner. I mean, Joe Mixon was one of those guys who carried you to victory because there weren't a ton of high scores. I mean, one of the things that was sort of funny, Ben and I joked about it on yesterday's stealing bananas, but there were a lot of opportunities to still come through and win. Uh, we had this sort of wonderful final play, basically of Monday night football that delivered us the victory in our big league. And, so, I mean, if you had Joe Mixon in week nine, you did it really, really well. But it wasn't just that, right? I mean, he performed well in every area. He had this balance profile, nine expected points as a rusher, 7.2 expected points as a receiver, blows that away by getting in the end zone, plus nine as a rusher, plus two and a half as a receiver. And so one of the things that this does is that he's now on a hot stretch where It's changing a little bit the overall dynamic for Mixon. Now, Mixon is one of these guys that I have never been on, and it has worked out, right? I mean, you can say that I have been lucky. He hasn't stayed particularly healthy. But one of the things that we've seen with Mixon is that his career fantasy points over expectation per game, heading into week six, so just a month ago, heading into week six of the 2021 season, he was at negative 0.1. So essentially scoring right at expectation, that's not necessarily a disaster, right? And one of the things that we have with the expectation here is the idea that, yeah, that is what the workload would suggest that you would do. But the other element of that is that his career numbers in this range are in that sort of 16 point per game area. And so if you're scoring at expectation, that puts you as a very clear sort of late second, maybe as much as late third round pick, because we have to also factor in the fact that, you know, if you're not going to score more points than that, then you really would just prefer for this straightforward zero RB build. You want to get those points from the wide receivers, the depth from the wide receivers. You're going to try and win the race to fill the flex. You're going to avoid the injuries, which obviously, again, Mixon has had a number of to really draft a running back in this range, and this is one of the things that we've been, you know, hammering for years, but but especially kind of this offseason, looking at how, okay, if you're going to build a team with, you know, some type of foundation running back, that running back has to have this upside. And that means expected point numbers that are in the 20-point-per-game range. Ideally, you'd have sort of this EP double-double, where you have 10 rushing expected points you have 10 receiving expected points and then one of the things that we see is that these epic seasons these legendary seasons come when a guy then hits say three points over expectation or five points over expectation and some of that is just being on the guy who has the high workload in the year that he hits. But some of it too is that some of these guys with even slightly lower numbers, say 18 points, 19 points in terms of EP, are very consistently scoring above expectation. And that's not a surprise for us. You look at some of the individual efficiency numbers and we know they bounce around a lot. If you look at the entire profile for some of these players and look at the way that you can outperform as in terms of yards per carry, you could outperform in terms of touchdown performance, you could outperform in terms of taking some of your receptions to the house, all of those different types of areas we get guys like a Camara, like a McCaffrey, like an Austin Eckler, like a Derrick Henry, who consistently outperform. They do it in different ways, but we know that they're going to score more points than expected. And so we can count on that upside. That's never been the case for Mixon over this very wide sample. And it's one of those things that you also see on the field, right? I mean, he's not one of these guys who's incredibly dynamic as a rusher. He'll break some tackles but he rarely breaks them and goes for the big play. He doesn't actually have the long speed to break a lot of, you know, 50-yard runs. He does have this element of being a solid receiver, but he's not someone you're ever trying to get the ball to in the receiving game. And so the profile, again, is of a guy who is useful in fantasy but always overpriced. And yet what we've seen over this last month is that he's scored six fantasy points over expectation, per game right and that puts his scoring profile up there at, at almost 23 now almost 23 will win you a lot of games in fantasy so then the question is you know are, are we seeing a new joe mixon are we seeing the joe mixon that everybody uh who who likes him has been projecting for such a long time We I mean, we talked a little bit about cordero patterson and he's finally there right he's finally doing what he was always meant to do and, and he's obviously much further into his nfl career than uh the Joe Mixon is. And so it's not impossible that we could be seeing a new guy. One of the things that still is both a a positive and a little bit of a concern, his career high for receiving expected points. So again, these are the points that you would expect him to score based on his receiving workload. 2018, he was at 5.7. 2020, he was at 5.7. Over the last month, that's been at 7.2. And so that last little extra bit there, again, we're finding points in a variety of ways, and he's looked good as a receiver, and he's looked good even though Samaj P. Ryan has played a meaningful role, right? He's been at 4.7, and so they're getting the balls to the backs more than I would have expected when you consider that they have Chase, they have Higgins, they have Boyd, and, and really the huge loser on all of this has been Tyler Boyd, who is not getting really any work at all. And and that, I think, is a surprise. That's something that they will address, but whether or not you know he comes out and takes – Points back from Mixon or takes points from Chase or Higgins. And that's a little bit more of an open question. But Colin, the, the reason that I point all this out is that I have always been down on Mixon, but it's important to address the fact that he's on a hot stretch, he looks very good. And so then the question is: you know, what do we do with that? Because, you know, if you're someone who has always been out on Mixon and then he's got a hot streak and you say sell, people are like, I mean give us a break. You're always selling. It doesn't mean, you know, you're not in any different place than you always were. But one of the things that I would note here is this might be a chance to take advantage. I've actually received a number of Mixon offers in different dynasty leagues and other formats over the last couple of weeks. And And I always kind of explain that I'm just not in on Mixon, right? I'm not buying him and I don't disagree with the other person's assessment. Uh, I'm just in a different place. I mean, that's one thing, you know, how it's very frustrating when you get a fantasy uh, trade offer and, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm in a different place on this player. And, you know, they'll come back and they're like, why are you in that place? You should be higher on this guy. And then you're like, well, I mean, if you're that high on it, why are you trying to sell him to me? You know, it, 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 that part of it doesn't make sense. It's like, it's okay for people to be in different places on these players, but There's a potential, I think, here for people who do have him who are selling and maybe not even selling because you're out or you've always been looking for a chance to get rid of him, but simply that it makes sense for your roster. Maybe you need to win over these next couple of weeks. The Bengals have a buy. And so you can kind of camouflage maybe your selling interest in the fact that there's a buy as opposed to, look, I'm I'm really trying to get out during this hot streak. He's been very, very good. You know, maybe that's the new normal, but, but maybe this is the highest sell point that we're going to get. The Bengals are one of three teams joining the Titans and the Patriots that have very, very difficult schedules. If you go in and check out the strength of schedule tool, I mean, those three schedules are so much worse. It really jumps out at you than the rest of the group. Now, that doesn't mean that the person is definitely going to be stopped. But that is an issue when we look at these things have changed for the positive. And now there is a very clear hurdle in the future that could not mix it down to what he's normally been
1: yeah i would agree that the upcoming schedule after the bye is is really tough they get the uh raiders they get the uh, steelers and then the chargers so it's going to be a, a tough run here coming forward but the other thing sean that's intriguing to me on this and you mentioned not being in on and i think we're both very aligned on that there but in this offense i know look if we look at james connor we've talked about him a lot on the show the thesis behind playing him was that the offense will be high score and you're going to go get those touches in the, the red zone. Similar thoughts we did touch on a few times this offseason, remembering back, I think it was the show we had Danny Carter on, we talked about um, you know, Joe Mixon this year and how that could possibly work out because we obviously thought the Cincinnati offense was going to be uh, very explosive. But when we look at the games that he has kind of looked quite good in over the last uh, two to three weeks, the team in general outside of the the baltimore ravens game has not looked good so they had lost to the jets and they they also had the loss to um cleveland this week now there there was points in those games where things worked out but you know it's not a good sign for this offense that when he's having those good games the team is kind of struggling overall if we look at his workload nothing really jumping out massively other than the targets that he got so in terms of workload as a rusher it was among kind of his lower games of the season um week eight he had 33 yards rushing 64 yards in week nine but the big difference was the five targets in each game and four receptions and um week eight five receptions in week nine and also the touchdown count to go with that so um you know two touchdowns in week eight two touchdowns in week nine both in a, a different variety of ways but um i think if those touchdowns dry up but again, if James Conner starts to dry up, uh, that's another story as well. So I think um, I don't have any stock in Joe Mixon, and I think if I had the opportunity, if I did have him, I probably would be moving on. At this point, I think we have a lot of faith in and borrow in this offense picking up. But I think if they're going to beat the likes of the Raiders and the likes of the the Chargers, they're going to have to to put up significant points and. I think you're going to go back to relying on on higgins and chase and borrow to to do that but we'll we'll see how that plays out as the the rest of the the season goes on we'll talk uh, more running back sean right after this hey
0: rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code RV Radio 2-1. That's RV Radio 2-1 and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
1: Numbers, Sean, of other interesting backfields, in particular in the AFC. And I know one that we have had our issues, you know, with the running back bills in certain leagues, I guess, that we were a little bit short in those bye weeks. We did start uh Carlos Hyde in, in one of our leagues this past week. Um, we won't talk about Carlos Hyde uh, after this point, but in terms of overall efficiency over his career, there hasn't been many worse than Carlos Hyde, and he uh he continued that fine run of uh, unimpressive form this past week. So hopefully James Robinson can get back in those lineups very, very shortly. We did talk about Jonathan Taylor uh, quite a bit in Tuesday's show, so we'll skip past the Colts in general, but a, a running back situation that I think we should be monitoring quite closely. And we have kind of, uh, I know we have some teams together with him on it, and that is the New England Patriots backfield and Ramondre Ray Stevenson, how have you seen the backfield play out over the last couple of weeks? We've seen some explosive plays from Stevenson. We've also seen Harris get in the end zone on a, a couple of different occasions. He has looked uh, impressive, and, and I guess, in the the low amount of work overall that he is getting. What's your thoughts on how this backfield is is going? I know you had high thoughts on, on Stevenson a couple of weeks ago when you talked about him possibly being that you know, in the mold of David Johnson and his, and his rookie season. So can we potentially still uh, still get there? Is there a possibility of that happening?
2: Well, first, off, I've, I've got to mention quickly on your Carlos Hyde. He did have the 15 and a half expected points. He did only uh, score eight, which isn't a surprise for Carlos Hyde, especially against a good defense. If you were playing him and got eight points, you're probably actually mostly happy.
1: Yeah, I was relatively happy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was actually not... Even and this is the the frustrating part. We talk about these deep wide receiver builds. That was actually a flex play that we had to use it for. It was not an issue of getting the running back
1: a true flex. We were just we were flexing on the on the other teams.
2: (laughs) 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 So yes, that did not work out. We did not win last week. We have the four elite wide receivers, and when one of them is on the bye, you gotta figure out something else. That was calling a Sunday morning pickup. That's how much we had resisted actually having Carlos Hyde on our roster at all, but we did pick him up just hours before the game and slide him directly into the lineup. This Patriots situation, Colin, I think is going to be interesting, and and we don't necessarily have the full information right now to know what will happen in uh, the game next week because both Stevenson and Harris left this game with concussions in the fourth quarter, which is very unfortunate. Harris has been having an excellent season as an early down and goal line runner. The Patriots offense has really gone through the running game mac jones has succeeded as a wonderful game manager but uh, with his receiving core with nelson aguilar jacoby myers kendrick Bourne, uh, those guys are not um, leading to some kind of blitzkrieg attack and yet the patriots sort of slowly but surely they're moving the ball down the field and then they get some of these big plays from stevenson and the thing that i think was so exciting when you look at his numbers is that he was able to do this both as a rusher and a receiver it it was interesting and it doesn't necessarily give you a ton of direction because if we look at the first half touches right we have nine rushes for harris five for stevenson three for bolden you look at the targets there one for harris two for stevenson two for bolden then you look at the second half seven rushes for harris five for stevenson five for bolden and so You know, this is something where we can't be like, oh, well, you know, they had this and then the Panthers don't score anything and Stevenson goes in or Bolden goes in. I mean, these guys were all operating throughout the game in roles that don't really allow enough fantasy production outside of Harris with the expectation that he's going to have most of the goal line carries. And that could always be incorrect on any given play with Stevenson having the size profile, having... The explosiveness to get in there and execute on some of those plays. But, you know, this is just another one of these split offenses where if you have Harris, obviously you're playing him. But if you have the other guys, you're kind of hoping for something to break in such a way that you then can play him with confidence at some point later in the season. Now, we hope that that doesn't come through injury. It would be great if Stevenson were just so good that they had to put him out there. And so, you know, when he gets the 79 first half yards, you're thinking, I mean, it's happening, right? I mean, look at Harris, he gets 26 first half yards, and that's a a contrast that will jump out to the coaching staff. You know, you kind of continue to read between the lines in New England. They say, well, you know, Stevenson is finally getting it, which, you know, from the Patriots coaches is, is pretty high praise there. So you're thinking, okay, I mean, he has this chance to be the dual threat back that they've really been looking for for a long, long time. I have some optimism here. The main thing, and hopefully even by the time the show releases, we'll have great news on both Stevenson and Harris, clearing the concussion protocol, uh, getting back with a clean bill of health for the brain there. But this is one to keep tracking. I mean, Harris managers are going to keep playing him. Stevenson managers are going to keep stashing him to uh, really look at the fantasy playoffs, because this could be one where at any moment you suddenly do have a guy who has that 20 point per game upside, right? Because, if, if something were to happen to Harris, and especially an injury, we hope is not, I mean, you know, a sprained ankle is one thing, a brain injury is another. But if, if Stevenson would get out there with this hybrid workload in this offense, as it continues to improve, as Mac Jones gets a little bit better and a little bit better, as the Patriots defense continues to get to the point where, I mean, they're taking opposing offenses out of the game and they can kind of do whatever they want with their running backs, then I uh, just, you have to be pretty excited about that late season run that we could be looking at from these guys.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And um, and the Patriots, you know, have to give them credit where we probably thought they were going to be early in the season where they are now. They're right back in the mix in the AFC and even in the division along with the Buffalo Bills. So it's gonna be going to be an interesting run in there to see how it plays out. But yeah, Stevenson, as I mentioned, has looked quite good. I have to say Harris as well, looking quite good. So um i think the patriots probably are going to continue with that as a committee probably as as much as they can but uh, it would be nice to to see stevenson get some more off the work there sean i will give you the floor for one more backfield that we'll head on the show i'm i'm open to which way we do go on it one note that i would mention is uh, the uh, backfield that we did talk about quite a bit and the offseason heading into the season was the buffalo bills and Singletary this week leading the AFC in receptions with seven of eight uh, catches on sorry seven catches on those eight targets so unusual um, movement you know across the last couple of weeks you know Moss getting a a much bigger work in the passing game in week eight so I touched on the Bills I don't know if that's where you want to go but is there any other backfields that you, you do want to hit on?
2: The Bills is interesting, in part because it's so frustrating, right? When I, when I was working on this article uh, in the, the very first one that we got out, you know, trying to get it out for folks who are maybe doing the Tuesday night waivers, you know, I, I just left them out entirely. They seem so unnoteworthy. But as I thought about it a little bit more, you know, the fact that Singletary was so involved in the receiving game last week is a big deal because those are high value touches. And the thing that we've seen from buffalo is that they're just not going to create those touches for the running backs now zach moss has been the guy that you needed to have because if they were ever willing to give a carry to a running back down by the goal line it was going to be moss and the week before he had a seven to one target edge and so you know you're right there and you are thinking, okay we can finally start moss now if you've got two running backs who uh, you know you don't have those same questions about you're like uh, it's a relief not to have to worry about these Buffalo guys, but again, we're in the bye weeks And one of the things I, you know, we're so enthusiastic about zero RB and it works so well. And we have such great results with it that I think that sometimes probably some listeners are like, you guys actually just, you know, skim over the issues or the problems or the setbacks or the frustrations that happen with it sometimes. And, and that's, you know, valid too. I mean, you do get into some of these weeks where you're like, okay, you know, who am I going to play here? We, we talk all the time about one of the reasons why zero RB works really well is that you do get these weeks where a Kula Herbert or a Ernest Johnson is going to be a very clear smash play for you and maybe score even more points than running backs who are drafted in the first and second round since you have all of that basically for free. That's not the only thing that happens, right? You do get in situations where you're trying to decide, well, should I play a Devin Singletary or a Devontae Freeman or a James Conner who only had two non... Touchdown points last week, and now he's going into a game where he's going to be the clear second fiddle to Chase Edmonds. And the Arizona Cardinals are going to have Colt McCoy and Rondell Moore like as their offense. Like, right? you know, do I want to take a risk on him in that environment? And so there will be situations as well where that works out like that. Now, one of the nice things, and it doesn't always work out this way, but Singletary goes into double figures with those seven receptions. Devante Freeman has a very nice game, scoring the touchdown, getting the 70-plus rushing yards, and then Connor obviously blows up. So you actually couldn't go hugely wrong there. I mean, of course, if you go away from Connor, then you did give up a lot of points relative to the other guys. But all three players scored in a way that would work for you. That's not always the case. Wrapping back around to this question with the Bills, it's very frustrating if you had Zach Moss because right away it looks like it, you know we're back to square one. Now the thing that happened here. Is that Singletary was involved early on? They've kind of given lip service to the idea, or not just lip service, I mean, actual play on the field of Singletary being the starter. They'd like to use him on the first couple drives and then have him get tackled in the backfield because they don't block anybody, and then go to Zach Moss for most of the rest of the important plays throughout the game. Had some of those plays early, Singletary involved in the the receiving game, looked like he was gonna score some points as a receiver, and then Zach Moss eventually goes out of this game with a concussion. In the concussion protocol this week again we don't know as we're recording if he's going to be okay i very much hope that he is it may be a little bit of a different story between buffalo and new england we know in all of these cases that it's the medical team that's going to make the decision and let the team know whether the guy, whether the guy clears and can play or not you know if i'm a head coach of a team like the bills even if zach moss clears You know, if you have somebody who's essentially an equivalent type of player in Singletary, you're going to use them not very much either way. And you could give your guy an extra week. You know, I might be tempted to do that. I don't know if that comes into play at all. With the Patriots, if you have the two guys in that situation and one of them clears, you know, it. and again, if if the person clears, the whole idea is they should be healthy. They should be able to play. But we're sort of waiting on that information as well. I think with the concussion situation here with Moss, we might feel more confident in suggesting that Singletary as the inside track on these important receptions going forward. So if you had to play him next week, I think you could do that. The bills are going to be trying to figure out some ways that they can make this offense work. I think that getting Singletary involved as opposed to Cole Beasley is one of those things. And, you know, they don't use their running backs a lot, but even as teams are making you work underneath which teams are obviously doing to the Chiefs, to the Bills. I mean, you have to have underneath plays that work. And getting Singletary the ball across the line of scrimmage, as opposed to making him run through that line of scrimmage where they don't block well, where he gets tackled, you get him across. We talk all the time about how he is a terrible fantasy back for a variety of reasons, but his reality peripherals over the last couple of years have been among the best in football. You know, Sometimes the peripherals can be misleading, and that may be the case here with Singletary. He doesn't he hasn't done anything to make us all think that he is an elite back who's suddenly about to break out. He was good as a rookie. We're, we're now in a long stretch where he looks like just a guy, maybe not even that in terms of what actually happens on the NFL field. However, you get involved a little bit more. You get across the line of scrimmage, and you know, maybe we see a long touchdown run or two, you know, like we did, I believe, in week two. So you have some of those plays that are possible, one of the things you just have to do if you have these guys on a zero running back roster is you have to keep tracking kind of where they are and and what the situation is week to week it will change and someone who even if they've been very frustrating if they're going to go out and be in a situation where they're likely to score nine to 13 points for you that can be very helpful especially if there is that sort of you know long shot upside of getting the touchdown maybe getting a long touchdown scoring more points in that avenue
1: yeah no that all makes a, a lot of sense so um that's going to bring us towards the end of today's edition of the show as always if you have not signed up yet or even if you are signed up and you're looking to extend that subscription you can get yourself 10 percent off a rotavis nfl pass by using the code rvradio radio 2021 at checkout or going to com forward slash podcast for more information i get you access to all of the content and all of the tools on the website and of course get you access to the piece we talked about today which is the zero rb watch there is two pieces per week the afc and the nfc get that and much much more uh, with your Rotoviz nfl pass as always drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app we do appreciate that greatly sean did mention it as well on today's show but stealing bananas uh have two shows out so far this week they have the monday recap and of course the wednesday show as well head back and check those out really worth a listen as always my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over my co-host is sean siegel and of course as i hinted at there sean's work is up on rotavis.com and as well the podcast with ben gretz is Stealing bananas check that out and until we're back on saturday with another show have a good one